ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to another episode of It Is What It Is, 8bit.net's news and current affairs podcast. Each and every week we are bringing you all our takes and all the news you need to know about. No subject is off limits and no take is too hot. I am your host, Jack Cruz, and joining me this week, the host of Input. From irrationalpassions.com, all the way from Nixon, Missouri, United States of America, it's Logan Wilkinson. It me. How you doing, Jack? I'm good, man. How are you? I've missed you. I'm, I'm doing good. You know what I mean? I know. I've missed you too. It's been too long. It, it's been far too long, yes. <laughs> uh, how, uh, how's life, mate? How's the Life is Thank good. being here. Life is good, yeah. Um, God of War is a video game, Jack. Yes, is a video I heard it is a video game. game. Let me tell you what. <laughs> Um, and I'm I'm pretty early into it, so but that is a that is an experience for sure. Um, Man, very eager to excited to get back into that. Oh no I mean, doubt, I have it sitting in an unwrapped box on my table just over mm, there. Mm. I've not yet had a chance to play it. I picked it up yesterday morning. I had family over Friday night when it came out. I had Supernova Expo yesterday with Eight uh, Bit with Jono, um, and uh, so I didn't get to play it yesterday. I was out all night. This Twitch meetup. Uh, tonight I maybe in our family stuff today tonight maybe it's <laughs> recording this it's Sunday morning but hopefully I'll get a chance to play it tonight um, but uh, I was at uh, speaking of that it's funny I was at um, last night I, so uh, <clears throat> as part of the 8-bit uh, collective we went and covered Supernova Expo which is basically like um, it's just like a pop culture. It's kind of like Comic Con, but like less no like video game. Not really much video game stuff, but mm-hmm. just lots of cosplayers, lots of comic books, lots of movie stars and TV stars and stuff like that. Alan Tudyk was there. Tom oh. Welling, uh, Michael Rosenbaum. So nice. some fairly sort of um, a heap of like comic writers and that kind of thing. But uh, last night after Supernova, we had um, the uh, Twitch Melbourne uh, community meetup. So all the Melbourne Twitch streamers, we all got together at this um, esports bar um, and basically um, just had a bit of a party. It was great. But they were playing on all the TVs around. So like, you know, so you go to like a sports bar and all the TVs around are playing like um, different like sports games. So it's like, you know, you have the basketball on one, you have the baseball, mm-hmm. you have the soccer, you have the foot, like whatever. In this bar, it was just all different Twitch streams on, oh, okay. on all the different TVs, which was cool because I'm like, you know, yeah. I'm sitting there, this is a guy playing CSGO, there's some guys playing League of Legends, there's some Street Fighter and whatever. And then, but this one TV was, which was right in my eyeline, this guy was streaming God of War. And I'm like, having to shield my out, eyes. Yeah. I go like, don't look at it. And I was standing there and I'm like, Jono, switch places with me. I can't face this TV anymore. Um, so we had to... Uh, we had to, like, it was just hard because every time I'd look up, I was seeing stuff. I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't want to look at it. Just completely ignore all of it. So, yeah. Um, there are spoilers swirling around, is what I keep hearing. Everybody keeps. Yeah, I know. George. Oh my God, it's terrifying. George Cruz, one of my co hosts on Input, said that, like, mm. apparently the YouTube, like, algorithms are, like, popping up a lot of, like, spoilery stuff. Um, so, you have to, like, be careful on YouTube, too, apparently. And then I saw Joey Noel from Kind of Funny. Mm mentioned that a few people are like sending her like friend request with yeah. just spoilers in the name and it's like yeah. that's the most terrifying thing i've ever heard in my life like, oh no i don't like assholes that. assholes um spoilers are a terrible thing yes terrible thing we've got infinity war coming up that, yeah you know gonna go in media blackout for that mm-hmm. solo coming up next month as well yeah less excited good- about that but yeah it's a good time to be a fucking nerd, isn't it? That's, it's definitely <laughs> been a good, yeah, good few years here, I would say. <laughs> yeah, we, I think it's good. I think we're in the golden age of... Yeah, uh, that is of, definitely true. Yeah, of Golden age of nerddom. And, yeah. 
yeah yeah it's um it's good it's good but you know i look forward to, to jumping into god of war um mm. it's funny i was not even like I, my hype level for this game was minuscule like i've mm. never been a big god of war fan i only played like half of three i never played any of the other ones um and leading up to this game i was people were like oh you're gonna you know get god of war i'm like yeah I'll see how like the hot what the hype is kind of thing. Yeah. Like a lot of games, I'll pick up off the back of like the community. What's the community doing? How is everyone jumping in? Like Monster Hunter, mm. even though I didn't dig it and I, I took it back, that was one that I um, jumped in because the hype was there. The Division was another one which actually yep. I absolutely adored, um, which I had no intention of getting, but just saw everyone having such a blast with it. And um, and then yeah, like all the reviews come out and it's like the people talking about this game, like it's the most amazing thing. Everyone like fuck, I've got to get on this so mm. i'm looking forward to, to jumping in um now logan yes we know each other well that's true but the people out there listening might mm. not mm. know who you are so shame on them i know bastards um <laughs> give give the people a little bit of who is your daddy and what does he do yeah uh i'm logan Wilkinson. i am one of the co-hosts of input a video game news show for rational passions um along with george cruz and Jarrett green um it's a very, I would say, more kind of cerebral, uh, analytical. Um, I always kind of mm. describe it as like a much more journalistic show. It's what I kind of want to put into it. Yep. More focused on kind of reporting around like the culture and big kind of ideas and themes within video games. Uh, a few of the episodes I'm most proud of, right, is when me and Jarrett had a discussion in the wake of the Parkland shooting about like mm. violence in general in America and yep. kind of the endemic problems of that and then how it kind of related to video games. We had a discussion after the incident in Charlottesville last year around, again, race and violence and the intersection of video games between the two of those. And so it's much more of those kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, really kind of, I think, restricted by George's no hot takes rule on the podcast. So <laughs> we, have to, we have to have no video game hot takes. Um, yeah. And so, yes, that is part of irrationalpassions.com where I'm one of the senior editors, um, which is also... That's where that's where all the hot takes fly on our Rational Passions, though. Yeah, there there yeah, we yeah. got previews, reviews, features, um, the Rational Passions podcast. So if you're ever in the need of a three-hour-long podcast, we got you covered. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's what I would do. And then I also am just on Twitter, usually just saying silly things and giving, you know, shout-outs to Domino's because they're the best. So, Man, Domino's... Um, so good. Do you have Domino's? Domino's we in Australia? Okay, I just want to make yeah. sure. It's not... No, none of the chain pizza outlets in Australia are any mm-hmm. good. It's mm-hmm. like Domino's... Like, you get Domino's and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you get Pizza Hut and it's less than fine. Yeah, And, and whatever fair. the other ones are. But, like, we have so many pizza shops in Australia. Like, mm-hmm. there is one on every corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you can't beat, like, a mom and pop yeah. pizza shop pizza. Like thick toppings and the fuck oh i also feel like barbecue meat lovers because you live in like pineapple on there well that's gross but you live in like an actual big (laughs) big city too and so like i feel like there yeah you definitely have to go out of your way to like find the mom and pop shops and those kind of like smaller local eateries um Mm. i live in the middle part of the country um the closest city to me has a population of like a hundred thousand people yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's much different here, right? It'd be like I'm I'm living in like the wilds of America. I'm out here like <laughs> NATO. Basically, think of NATO out here in Australia, just yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. wilds, yeah. hanging out with like <laughs> kangaroos and koalas and all those other good stuff. And so that's what, we don't have <laughs> nice local pizza shops here in Nixon, Missouri. So you got to deal with that Domino's. We have Domino's. I love Domino's. I'll swear by it. But mm. I used to like 
I could fuck with Domino's. Yeah, um, there we go. but they recently changed um, their supplier of beverages from uh, mm. Coke to Pepsi, and uh, that I just can't abide mm, by that. Mm, mm. I cannot abide by it. I've <laughs> never gotten the the heated Coke Pepsi rivalry. Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll, to be fair, I'll mention that I don't like soda, so like it's already just kind of like a, it's all the same to me. Yeah, I would say enough. though that having tried them each. I think I might have preferred Pepsi a bit more. Oh, Logan, what? The... But again, Come on. I think they're both gross. So, fair enough. I'll um, I'll forget the first part of your um, <laughs> statement and just and just remember the second, the second part. That's yeah, fair enough. Mm. Yeah, I love a good Coke. I love an ice cold Coke out of a glass bottle. Mm. Everything in moderation, though. That's um, true. And now, Logan, it, yes. as, uh, as it is the case every week, it has been mm-hmm. a massive week. Far That's true. too big of a week in news to fit it all into the podcast as our own topic. So, it's time for a little bit of rapid fire news. I need to get... You know what? I need to get a sound bite for rapid fire. Mm. I need a sound bite for rapid fire. I kind of got this... I kind of got this... I'm going on a tangent here. I kind of got this, um, this like vision in my head of it. But I don't know if it fits like the, the um, not the theme of the show, but just like the the feeling of the show. I don't know. I've got this. You know the you know the um you know the the game Broforce. Yes. You know, like <clears throat> it's like full. Like, it's very like in your face. Mm-hmm. And I've got this like this vision of like rapid fire news, kind of like this little sound bite to yeah. go in, but um in that sort of vein, but. I don't know whether it will fit or not. I just think it's kind of sonic. Kind of sounds cool, but um, I'm here for it. Shout out to Broforce, just in general. Good game. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, on with the news. Uh, first story: Two men are arrested in Starbucks for seemingly mm. doing nothing wrong at all. Yeah, this was uh, that's this a, that's was very thing. interesting. Mm. Yeah, very, very, very interesting. So, two guys, two black African American men. Um, Sitting down in a Starbucks in America, um, escapes me which city it was in. Um, just basically waiting for a business, like for a, a meet. They're like always oh, meeting someone for a business meeting. We're just waiting. This girl approaches them. The, one of the workers asks what they're doing, and um, and then she calls the cops and mm. they get arrested mm. for sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. How fucked up is that? Yeah, I, the one of the stories. The kind of, I think the general consensus is that like they were waiting for a friend of theirs to get there, yeah, um, and so they were just chilling out, sitting in a coffee shop. And as somebody who works in a coffee shop and has worked in a coffee shop, I mean, I, the amount of people who just come in and just sit and just they don't order anything; they just sit to either like use a laptop and just study or whatever is like a, a sizable chunk of the people yeah. that come into the coffee shop, um, and probably close to half. We don't mm. even order anything, and so it's like I would never even even bat in my eyes if I see people just sit there for a few hours, yeah. If it was that long, which I don't think it was, and just wait for somebody or just do nothing. Um, mm. and it's it's definitely interesting just from that perspective as like somebody who's worked in a coffee shop, let alone the fact that like they're just two dudes shun out. They'd be like, "Hey, right, cool, yeah, good on them, yeah, yeah." Fuck, that's just extremely. Um, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, uh, it's almost like racism in its purest yeah, form yeah so, right to, to, like, i think you wouldn't I mean, have said anything if they were white dudes I mean, no it's it's i think it's definitely emblematic of the the tr- kind of the tricky nature of race in america hmm. where i think it's 
kind of like stealthily embedded in certain ways you don't even think about, right? Like, I don't think this person who called the cops was like, there are two black dudes in here. Let's call the cops. It's like immediately. I yeah. think she was like, she was kind of extra heightened maybe, or yeah. actually kind of like more concerned. And then that led to just the series of steps on her part or the entire, I think, employee staff part, right? Because nobody stopped her um, from calling the cops, right? Like That's honestly, as like a side kind of tangent here, the more interesting thing to me maybe is the fact that like nobody at like that Starbucks is like, hey, maybe don't call the cops. Yeah. <laughs> maybe like talk to them and see what they're doing. Like ask them questions. They're like really just investigate mm-hmm. here. And then like maybe wait 10 minutes to see if their friend does show up. Or, like any of these kind of things instead of just like, I'm going to call the cops on these two people. And everybody's like, yeah, no. Okay, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's yeah, going to be fine. Sure, it's like, for it. maybe don't do that. Philadelphia was the um yes the I knew it was gonna be yeah it was either Philly or Pittsburgh I was thinking yeah so just a just a shitty story but Starbucks um rightfully so are taking action um, yeah I think they're shutting down like 8,000 stores across the country to do like um I saw this training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think it's every Starbucks in America they're shutting down for like a day to do like training and everything for that's good I mean at least they're making moves to, yeah. to, to do the right they're thing. trying to um, address the pretty big egg in their face so. yeah absolutely so um yeah interesting story uh moving <laughs> on the the conflict in syria wages on um yes. as weapons inspectors have finally been able to gain access to duma the site of last week's alleged chemical weapons attack mm-hmm. after initially being refused entry um it's uh i mean it's a shit show over there yes <laughs> i would say to put it mildly in like serious Series mentioned in one word, it's a seven-year-long civil war, right? And it's just, it's such mm. a messy conflict on all sides there. It's, mm. it's, I feel like it's one of those incidents where the lines have gotten so blurred and the whole thing has yeah. just kind of become a quagmire and like, there's not really, mm. there's not really a good side. There's just ba- there's bad no. all around. Everyone's just bad um, sides. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's just a bad side. And so it's, it's not... It's hard, I feel like, for certain people to get, like, invested in because just like, well, we'll choose between literally, like, the lesser of two evils and, like, they're both bad options. We don't like anything involved here and it's become such a, like, Mm. I think, pit of, like, totalitarianism with, like, Assad and, like, religious fanaticism and, Mm. like, the rebels are a cross-spectrum of different forces and factions and groups and so there's no clear-cut just, like, rebel, like, side, just multiple of them. It's, um, ISIS, it's al-Qaeda, or it's the... Yeah, the they're actual yeah. who just want to have a free country, but, like, it's just being demolished, and it is... I mean, it's easily, I would say, the worst humanitarian crisis probably since the Second World War. Certainly close to that at this point. It's seven-year-long, mm. hundreds of thousands of people, I mean, killed and wounded, mm. and, disp- I mean, millions displaced across the world now. Um, I mean, it is just a mess. And so then they have this mm. kind of chemical weapon attack, right? And or the allegations of him again because it happened a few years ago too, which is like this is just mm. I don't I don't even know where to begin to fix Syria, and that's maybe like the yeah. thing that like most kind of depresses me, and most kind of um, mm. discourages me. Just like I don't even know where to begin. Like everything just seems so bad and awful, and to kind of inflict yeah. chemical weapon attacks. It's just like ugh. oh god, it's hard. I spoke about it last week, and it's a very good point that you make yes. about you know what happens when we. You know, it, it, it say we say um, Assad is ousted, uh, mm-hmm. he's taken down, he's out. You know, it, history has shown us, especially in the Middle East, that any time a, a horrible tyrant, tyrannical dictator is displaced, um, 
the alternative to him is generally much much worse and it is that that lesser of two evils kind of yeah. thing. Like look at like the you know the mayhem in iraq um in libya yeah. like these countries are almost never better off when when these things go down um so it's it is it's just like a lesser of two evils like this guy is evil and yeah but then what, what's the alternative do you know what i mean and in and iraq i find an interesting example just because I, I mean, we could, we literally could have an entire podcast about Iraq, yeah. but, but, um, it, it's such an interesting one too, right? As somebody who's like, literally has my formative years have been growing up mm. with the Iraq war, right? Like I've never, yeah. I was what, 2001 when 9-11 happened, I would have been mm. nine when we went to war in 2003, I would have been 11. Um, and I've never known a day since then where we, American troops haven't been in Iraq since I was 11 yeah. years old. I'm 26 now for context. Um, yeah. Yeah, and man. so... I think that's such an interesting one too in the concept of like I I don't know it like I feel like I personally feel like Iraq is better off post Saddam Hussein but mm-hmm. I also think that there's very easily an argument to be made that like was the collateral damage and everything worth it for a country mm-hmm. that is still very divided for a country that's still very messed up in a lot of ways for a country that is still not united and not kind of put together the way that we would have dreamed of 15 years ago Right. Mm-hmm. And so like if, if Syria is maybe in the midst of its own fifteen year long, right, journey from beginning to end, like Iraq is, or like Afghanistan, which is now even longer than fifteen years, mm-hmm. uh what is that a worthwhile sacrifice for all mm-hmm. the lives and all the people displaced and families shattered? And mm-hmm. I've I mean I I mean I would I would I guess I'm more predisposed to lean in the direction of i would rather have the dictator gotten rid of Mm. but as we've as you i think very wisely pointed out and also just as history has kind of pointed out removing one dictator doesn't necessarily mean that there's not going to be a guarantee that the next person that steps up in power isn't going to be a dictator as well isn't going to be ruthless kind of tyrant as well and so right like revolutions so often become the thing that we're fighting against is what I would yeah. say. Um, I mean, you yeah. can see it as far back as like the French Revolution mm. to like modern times. Like revolutions, more often than not, don't turn out the way like the American Revolution did. That is, yeah. that is the anomaly, not the rule. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It is a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the answer is for Syria. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think that. I mean, I mean, I don't know what I would like to think. I'd like for it to just sort of stop, but that's, you know, being quite naive. And- <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I guess for me, as somebody who, like, really specializes in, like, foreign, like, affairs and foreign, these kind of issues, like, I would I would love, I mean, I get, I would love, I wouldn't love it, but I think the, mm. the best option is maybe, like, a multinational group, like, kind of happened in the Balkans during the late 90s, like, a multinational mm. effort to kind of mm. put a stop to things and just basically wedge themselves in the middle and say, stop. And like enough. Yeah. With like the United Nations really rallying together and like NATO coming together and saying like, we're going to put ourselves right in the middle of these two forces and raise both arms and keep them apart from each yeah. other. And so if you cross yeah. this line, we're going to mm. shift all our, our attention to you. Right. And stop mm. you with like a mighty hammer kind of thing. The issue yeah. being that I don't think, I think the time to do that was, you know, sometime in the last mm. seven years and not necessarily yeah. now, yeah, it's probably and, too late almost. And B, I don't know if there's yeah, the political will for that across the world as the world's kind of being, I think, 
rocked by this kind of wave of populism and nationalism in a lot of Western countries. I think they kind of want to focus their attention at home. And then in America, in my country, right, the leader of the free world, right, this beacon of democracy and freedom and justice and the promotion of human rights and this kind of pillar for good in the world is currently at its like lowest ebb in terms of mm. promoting all of these values and being all of these things since before the Second World War, right? Yeah. And we have a leader nice. who wants to be an isolationist. We have a leader who is, seems to be kind of a fan of third-rate dictators and tin-pot leaders. And so mm. I, don't, I don't know, right? Like, I don't know. This isn't, this isn't the leader. These aren't the men or women that I think are ready to or willing to handle this kind of crisis. And so I think, unfortunately, that things will continue to get worse in Syria before they get better yeah yeah no i i agree um so that's, 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 a, that's a sad one that's... no it was a sad one i'm gonna try <laughs> bring this but it's not getting much better than that actually um it's uh it's funny though you mentioned the balkans it's really the only time you know i can really think of when the u.s is or you know nations have inter- interjected and had a positive outcome um but uh but we should we will see we can save the, the balkans yeah. for another day uh yeah. moving along God, I should have put some happy stories in it. These are all actually really <laughs> these sad. These are all really uh, but sad. I'm, we'll just touch on all these ones very, uh, very, uh, very uh, lightly. Um, sad story: Barbara Bush passes away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I, I can't speak much for Barbara Bush. She was, you know, her, when her husband George Bush Senior was in power before my time, mm-hmm. before yours, I believe. Has she been a, like a revered figure in uh, in the US? So, yeah, I mean, I think two quick things for Barbara Bush. First is that Barbara Bush is probably the most popular first lady since Jackie Kennedy, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe since Eleanor Roosevelt, Barbara Bush was, I think, pretty pretty beloved, um, significantly mm-hmm. more than either her husband or her son. Um, mm-hmm. Barbara Bush was incredibly popular. I think she took on and embraced his kind of um, grandmother of America role in the four yeah. years that her and George H.W. Bush were in office. Mm-hmm. And I think Barbara Bush is just, she's an, an incredible rock, right, for strength, for the family. Um, they all kind of mm. call her the enforcer of the family. And more to that, she just lived an incredible life, right? Like, I, I mean, she and George Bush were made for th- 73 years. Um, mm. It's an incredible wow. marriage, one that is, yeah, like, it's one of the great, I think, marriages and romances in American political history. Um, and I mean, she's a woman of like an incredible constitution, right? Like her and George Bush lost their daughter to leukemia in the 1950s Mm. when the child was, I think four or five Robin was. And so kind of weathering that crisis and being a source of comfort to her husband and a young George Bush, who was just a child when this happened, right? When this trauma happened to them and overcoming that, right? Like she, to experience a pain that, no parent, nobody should ever have to experience right, losing a mm. child. And then to kind of weather that and be able to be a source of comfort to millions across the country when she eventually kind of reached this position um, with George Bush. But then much more personally for me is that, I mean, as somebody who was inspired, right, and as somebody who kind of was, uh, I think, pivoted in the direction of politics by George Bush Sr., um, right? I was born... January of 1992, um, in the last year of his presidency, basically, when he was running mm. for re-election against Bill Clinton, which he would eventually lose. Um, and I, I find George and Barbara Bush just fascinating individuals because above everything else, they're people kind of, I think, dedicated and driven by a sense of 
idealism, by a sense of duty and honor um, mm. for the country and for the good of people. And I think those are ideals and values that were deeply ingrained by me, right? I mean, George Bush is like, he's a World War II fighter pilot, the youngest fighter pilot in history, shot out of the sky, naval hero, did all, had like this legendary political career. And I think Barbara, without Barbara Bush, I'm not sure he would have really been able to do any of those things. Um, she was just such a rock and she became beloved mm. in a way that Hillary Clinton never really did. Uh, Melania Trump never really did. Laura Bush never really did. Um, I mean, she promoted literacy. She wrote two best-selling books, children's books. Um, so I, I would say she's a very beloved uh, figure mm. in, within American kind of political community. Yeah, well said. Well said. Yes. Uh, last rapid fire story. Mm. Raul, Raul Castro yes. prepares to resign as president of Cuba, ending the family's decades-long reign over the communist country. Get him out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess this is kind of like a good this story. This is kind of a good story. Um, the problem, of course, being that Cuba's still uh, a communist country after he leaves. But yeah, I mean, like, at the very least, it's ancient, right? Like, Raul Castro, I think, was much more pragmatic in a lot of ways than Fidel. Um, oh, for sure. I think he had to be, right? Because he had to, you know, come over after decades of Fidel's rule that didn't necessarily do mm. too great for Cuba. And no, so he had to kind certainly of, not. Yeah, he had to kind of change things a little bit and reach out, right? And he was he was a president when President Obama reached out for this kind of groundbreaking agreement to kind of open up kind of negotiations and open mm. up diplomatic kind of relations between the countries. Mm -hmm. um, he allowed for that, right? Visas kind of increased between the two countries on his watch. Um, limited reforms occurred. Um, and Raul Castro, to me, the story is important just because it seems like it is a very kind of symbolic passing of the torch, right? Like the revolutionary era in Cuba really seems to be kind of ending with him stepping aside, right? Yeah. Like the yeah. the founders of the Cuban communist state are essentially all gone or are retiring now. And yeah. so what will the people who were spent their entire lives essentially raised in that state do mm. with it, right? Like, are there going to be an increased amount of reforms and changes and opening up to the rest of the world? Um, I would like to think so. I'd like to, I'm hopeful. Um, but again, like in the first story, I think that we have the wrong administration and the wrong <laughs> individuals in America to help facilitate yeah. that, right? If like, if President Obama was in office for two more years and then this happened, I would be much more encouraged, but unfortunately, mm. President Trump seems to be an individual who actually, I mean, has actively changed and reversed some of Obama's policies regarding Cuba, which isn't mm. great for Cubans and for Floridians in a lot of ways, where there's a mm. sizable Cuban-American population. And so, at the very least, it's a symbolic moment. I think the end of kind of that Castro era in Cuba, right, revolutionary founding fathers era, Yep. Um, but... I'm I'm in, I'm hopeful that some good will come out of this. Yeah, yeah. Only, uh, I mean, I, I think it can only be a positive. But yeah, uh, you you put it very well, very well. All right, so let's, let's uh, kick into the main topic, Slogan. Yeah, forget that stuff though. <laughs> <laughs> Following the lead of several U.S. states, Green Senator Richard De Natale has proposed the legalization of cannabis in Australia for people over the age of 18 in order to remove the drug from criminal hands. The legalization of the drug has led to a drop in drug-related crime in the United States, Spain, and Uruguay. So why wouldn't it work here? The Australian Medical Association has said it could not support the Greens' proposal due to the physical and mental health impacts of cannabis. Mm. And the Health Minister 
Greg Hunt has called for the party to withdraw its suggestion, saying that marijuana is a gateway drug that can lead to yeah. other harmful substances like heroin. So what's the solution? Is Australia behind the times by not legalising marijuana? Or are we making the right decisions for our people's health by not making it readily available to the public? Logan. Yeah. You live in a country where uh, marijuana has been legalised. Sort what of, yeah. Do you, in, in certain areas. Yeah. What do you... See, do you see this? Do you see the legalization of marijuana as a positive? Do you see it as a negative? What's 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 your stance on it? So I always, I mean, half joking, half seriously, always say that like, if if we are debating the issue of whether or not marijuana should be legalized in a particular area, um, mm. I always say that that's, that mean, that's fantastic news because that means that we've solved every other problem in the rest of the world. That everything else is good, mm. and then we can finally actually talk about whether or not somebody should blaze up in the basement and watch like Cartoon Network. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so basically my general stance is I don't care, um, if somebody wants to smoke marijuana, right? Like I'm not going to smoke pot. Yeah. I don't smoke pot. Um, but I also couldn't care less if somebody wants to do that. Um, and yeah. I think that there, the evidence for marijuana in terms of the medical benefits is, I would say, generally speaking in the direction that it has some helpful effects, um, not to say that the evidence is overwhelming, but it's definitely leans in that direction, I would say, and, and increasingly yep. leans in that direction, particularly regarding certain um, illnesses and certain kind of diagnosis, right? It's particularly, there's quite a bit of evidence suggests that it can be helpful for individuals with post-traumatic stress disorder. Yep. Um, and that's, that's a big one. I think that we should do everything we can to help those kind of individuals. And so, I mean, I would say that I'm in favor of it, I guess. Um, again, I don't really care. I think yeah. that if it can help people, we should do things that can help people. And more to the point, I guess my biggest incentive for wanting marijuana to be legalized is the fact that like, I want I want that money. I want to be able to use yeah, the yeah, money yeah. that we could get from taxing this and oh. legally selling it to be used for lots of things that need money in both America and Australia, I'm sure. Mm. And so I would love to use all that money to buy like bridges, for example, and roads yeah. and schools and hospitals and maybe research centers to research it more. That's all great stuff we can use this money on if we legalize yeah. it. Um, yeah, and exactly I, right. Colorado hasn't necessarily gone up in flames since they legalized marijuana. Mm -hmm. No. Everyone's just a little bit more lazy. Yes. I'm very much of the opinion that... Um, there's no, I mean, the the positives much like significantly outweigh the negatives, I believe, in I the legalization of marijuana. I mean, that's the first point, taking it out of the criminal's hands. So rather, mm -hmm. and, and, the, and this is the whole sort of, okay, if we touch on the argument that people make of, of marijuana being a gateway drug, yeah. technically I that is right. Too. If you're buying marijuana from a drug dealer or you're conversing with criminals to purchase marijuana, then yeah, potentially it could lead to you purchasing other drugs from these um, people. But you're not going to go to you know the weed shop with your weed license in a like a clinical mm -hmm. produced you know drug to purchase it legally, and then the guy being like, "Oh, have you been down the the heroin aisle?" Like yeah, that's you, not going to happen. So I think it eliminates. Out, yeah. Yeah, it eliminates that sort of um, that sort of aspect of it to, an, to a degree. Obviously, mm -hmm. you might still you know get into those circles and that kind of thing, but it, it definitely reduces the the risk of the the sort of the gateway drug argument. I think. I think in particular that argument ha doesn't have a lot of weight to me, 
just because if I mean particularly regarding heroin. I mean, mm. if, if if we want to talk about gateway drugs to heroin, we should talk about prescription pills, right? That's that is the yeah, gateway drug to heroin. Yeah, and it, particularly as America is being like roiled by an opioid crisis, like we are in the mm. grips of a horrific opioid crisis in America, particularly sweeping regions like the Rust Belt and the Midwest and like mm. Upper New England. Um, mm. I mean, it's being devastated by this crisis, and so like I think then we should have a serious conversation about well, maybe pills are gateway drug and we should actually talk about those and monitor those and regulate those better and maybe again like you said i don't know anybody that's gonna smoke a joint and be like you know what i want now heroin (laughs) (laughs) get me some of that heroin yeah that's a leap that i think isn't necessarily going to go one in one but you see that you see that kind of transition happen quite often with pills Mm. people using pills eventually leading them down the route to heroin um, or harder drugs and so pot i don't think that's gonna be the same way yeah, I um I follow the career very closely of um Jason Mewes from obviously mm. Jay and Silent Bob and and all the the Kevin Smith movies and he his um you know he he's a reformed um heroin addict and mm. um his journey into heroin addiction was through you know painkillers and yes. like um you know these types of things so um it definitely that definitely i think i think those like you hit the nail on the head those things have way more of an impact yes. on someone being led to heroin or something a lot harder than that than marijuana does mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know that anyone that's ever been like yeah smoked a joint and been like if i could go meet some heroin right now yeah give me you know it's just and, I just and more to the point it's a very old like, school it's a very old school yes. sort of um, i think it's a very old school yeah. outdated antiquated way to look at it while ignoring mm. the actual problems of like pills and painkillers mm. and mm. those kind of mm. actual things that would contribute mm. down to an opioid addiction and more yep. to the point for me again like i said earlier i mean australia i'm sure can use some new roads and can use some new oh, hospitals and yeah. can use some new schools and the money Absolutely. generated from the legalization and sale of this um would significantly yep. be able to help that Yep, absolutely. Uh, no doubt. And like that is the other thing, you know, in the um, the Greens uh, proposal, they said, you know, the, the the money that we can gain, the revenue that we'll gain from this, from the taxes that we can charge on this, we can put back into, because so the, um, the Australian Medical Association is, you know, it's all about, it's like, oh, the mental health issues that marijuana causes, mm-hmm. we can't um, support this because of this, that and the other. And the Greens are going, well, you know, we're going to be, people are going to smoke pot regardless. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get it. So why not yep. legalize it? Get them to, it, it's not a harmful, like no one's ever OD'd from marijuana. There's yep. obviously uh, compounding effects, but no one's ever smoked a joint and died. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. Um, so they're proposing that, okay, well let's legalize it. Let's, let's take it out of the hands of the criminals. So we're eliminating that issue. And then let's use the money that we, we gain from this to put it back into mental health research, mm. to put it into, you know, um, labs of you know how can we uh, maybe change the alter the states of, of the marijuana to not give the you know off the um like the, they take the paranoia sort of effect out of it and this mm-hmm. that and the other and um and how can we support them how can we support people with mental health issues and put it into an organization for that like this isn't like they've thought this through i just it, 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 I, I feel like um much like a lot of things that australia does we we generally take too long to get mm. to the right outcome in yeah. that you know like the the um the gay marriage plebiscite that we just had which is the most ridiculous thing that we've ever done that mm. we for so long like we had to have a fucking survey to mm. to you know to work out whether or not we were going to let people 
um, of the same sex marry each other. It's just ludicrous. Like they, mm. that's just a basic human right. It shouldn't have mm. even been a conversation. But it took it. We got there in the end. But it ta- yeah. we take a long time to get to these places. Um, you know, gun reform is probably the only thing that we ever was just like, yeah, John done. Howard. Yeah, let's get it done. Yeah. Um, but um, this is just another one where it's just like you've got these really old school mm. um, like guys in there who are. Um, conservative and they don't want to they they don't really get it yeah that they don't get it they don't they see pot they see marijuana they see it as a drug they go oh it's a it's just they put the the blinkers up and they, they're yeah. very they just don't want to even think about um any of the other i guess realities where potential the benefits of, of yeah. yeah and the medical research of even just like we don't allow med- even like the medical use of marijuana as far as like um, hemp oil and things like that like mm. things that have, have proven to have um, really positive impacts on people with like multiple sclerosis and these kinds yeah. of things like these things are still illegal marijuana is almost the I think I read something It's it has more positive medical effects than any other substance chemical plant on the planet and yet it's illegal um, you know it all stems but I mean it, we could talk about this for hours but it goes back to like the, in the like all in I think World War 2 all of the American armies uniforms and everything were all made from hemp um, and then there was some senator who was whose son was married to the daughter of a guy who owned like a fucking string factory or something like that a cotton factory or something um, and so they then that's when they they burned all the the, the you know the pot fields and um Anyway, it's it's just it's it's. I just feel like Australia is. We just always take so long to get to the to the right outcome. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I mean, I, I found that interesting too. Just on the topic of when you kind of mentioned gay marriage too, where it's like, hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I I suppose America got there somewhat quick, but we, I mean, we didn't get there because of the, I mean, legislative and executive branches. We got there because the Supreme Court said it right. Like it wasn't because. Yeah. The government necessarily took action. It was because mm-hmm. the case rounded through to the system, and they were like, "Yeah, this is a fundamental human right. Everybody has the right to love yep. one another and to love yep. anybody they choose." Um, and yep. it wasn't necessarily because the government necessarily chose to do that initiative. Um, mm-hmm. I think if that had been the case, it might we still might be in the same boat as I mean, as Australia, where it took mm. three or four more years, right? And so, I think marijuana is another one where again, America has done things in a kind of fits and burst, right? Like like Colorado, mm. it's fine. And there are other states where like not even medicinal use is allowed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think this is one of the issues where America's federal system is both kind of a blessing and a curse because states mm-hmm. can really kind of take the initiative and do things, but then it can also hold other areas back in the country by like years and years mm. and, and really plague them. I, I look usually in regards to the American South, which is usually last in like every health metric um, mm. and education metric. And it's because they don't necessarily take the initiative on in these kind of areas and mm. really invest a lot in these kind of areas. And so they're hurt by that. Whereas if we had mm. more of a, just kind of a, the, gov- the federal government is saying, this is a course, everybody progresses. And so mm. I think half of America is ahead of the curve <laughs> on Australia and half of America is either on the same yeah, level as Australia or yeah. probably even behind Australia. In certain yeah. regards, yeah, yeah. I, I just just get it done. Let people smoke. Just, their pot. Take it out of the hands of the criminals. Yeah. Let's um. Let's just get. Let's just get there. Let's you get. You want to smoke pot in your basement? Smoke pot in your basement. I don't care. They're way that's more important it. things yeah. in the world. That's that's like. Absolutely. It's not for me. You, you know. Just it's not hurting anyone. 
go on, just make it happen. Make if some money in dr- Australia. If we can drink and smoke smoke cigarettes, yeah, marijuana is, yeah. I would argue, not as bad as either one of those. I so. agree, hundred percent. I agree, hundred percent. Let's uh, let's move on from this one, Logan. Yes. As far as international relations go, you'd have to say the world is in a fairly tense spot. Russia, Syria, Iran, the UK. However, the one place you wouldn't have thought would be simmering down in recent history is North Korea. The charm offensive from the North continues ahead of their summit with South Korea in the coming days and the impending meeting of Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. And the rogue nation has declared it will cease all nuclear tests and abolish its test sites. It is welcome news, but can we take it seriously? Are the North finally succumbing to the sanctions imposed on them? Or is this a ruse to lull the rest of the world into a false sense of security? Now, I was just like, I saw this news, I was just like, <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> like, it's about time we got some, like, international relations. Some good, good news. news. Like, yeah. like, yes, God, finally. I mean, and take it with a grain of salt, because it wouldn't be the first time that the North has... Um, gone back on their word or said they were going to do something and not done it. Sure. Um, but um, I just, I think this is good. I think, you know, I called this way, way back when, um, when North Korea came down to the, um, the Olympics. Mm. Um, it was the winter Olympics in Seoul, I think yes. um, they came down and, um, and, and I sort of said, you know, this to me seems like, and obviously they reached out to the US and this to me seems like the sanctions and all the things that have been imposed on them are working. You know, they've, they've got a broken economy. Their people are starving. Mm. Um, it's, you know, it's almost like there's not much else they can do. Like mm. they, they, it's gotten to a point now where it's like, all right, fuck, we need to like white, wave the white flag. And, you know, they're, they're very good at their propaganda, North Korea. So they're playing it out like this is a victory for them somehow. Um but uh, yeah, it's just it's just good. Like if it's true, if it does come to fruition and they do denuclearize, um, it's good for the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good for North and South Korea that they're you know meeting to, to for a peace treaty and that war can finally end. Um, and it just shows that you know that that some of these sort of uh, like you know the, the the international relations and these sort of things and the sanctions imposed on certain on countries like North Korea who go rogue and try and be cheeky with the things that they do they work like this is working mm. these things are working like they've got no choice now that they have to succumb yeah and it's interesting too because sanctions only really kind of have teeth and only really kind of can take um effect in the country in a, like a powerful way when they affect the like that top one percent right people in yeah. charge and yeah. increasingly we're getting kind of reports and rumors um in North Korea, that that is the case, right? Like the actual powerful yeah. elite is being hurt by the sanctions. Finally, like yeah. they're actually the ones the one... also kind of starting to go hungry and having yeah. issues with like power and electricity. And so, I think that's in change going to have to come because then they're the ones who are going to start coming to the door of Kim Jong Un and being like, "Hey, I didn't, I didn't eat yesterday. I missed mm. that. I wanted to, I wanted to have something. Like, yeah. I, my power went out for eight hours yesterday. What's going on here? I was trying to watch Sopranos. You know, I mean? like, what's going? On? Like, <laughs> I think." I think that's when it really kind of begins to take effect and increasing that seems to be the case in, in North Korea. Um, there's like another new story that North Korea is dropping their demand that the U.S. pulled troops out of South mm. Korea. Like, yep. I, I think North Korea wants a deal. Like I think they want to make a deal, yep. right? Um, mm. And I think particularly they want a deal because they want to relieve the sanctions. They want to get the pressure mm. off them. They want to kind of loosen the kind of screws. Yep. But also I think it's because the 
elite power class is being increasingly affected, which is again yeah. the goal of these. And now they want that to stop. They're getting just the pressure is yeah. turning more and more and more. I think yeah. Kim Jong Un is feeling increasing pressure from the kind of the generals and like military brass around him, and mm. so he wants to make mm. a deal. And in mm. comes the great deal maker. Some call him the greatest deal maker. <laughs> the greatest deal maker. Donald Trump. And the so Don. <laughs> I don't like. It's, that's what's most interesting to me is like, what is going to happen when we put Kim Jong Un, Donald Trump, mm. and the president of South Korea all in the same room together? And it's like yeah. one of those three. Is a level-headed, reasonable, loyally like person, but it's not Guess Kim Jong Un or Donald <laughs> Trump. Unfortunately, it's not no. the two guys that matter maybe the most yeah. there. And so yeah. I don't know. Like to me, everything that's happened so far has been like a testament to the kind of willpower and political skill of the president of South Korea and bringing this whole yeah. thing together and making it not yeah. fall apart. Like the fact that this yeah. has been able to go off without a hitch so far. Mm. And we're like a month away, roughly now, from mm. them all meeting in a room together and talking out. Mm. And it's like, okay, that's it's incredible, right? That this North Korea could conceivably drop its nuclear weapons program within a month, like at, yeah. if this meeting goes right. Now again, yeah, will that happen? Could go wrong. I, mm. I have no idea, right? And that's that's my, I guess, uh, concern is that if they the meeting goes about and it happens and then things go badly then things potentially could be worse off right because i feel like for yep. then both the north koreans and americans might just kind of hunker down and yeah, really kind of draw lines in the sand to be like we gave you a chance and you blew past them all all right nothing's gonna work we're just gonna really get into it here now yeah. and that's my fear but i'm also yeah. at the end of the day i'm i'm an optimist i'm hopeful mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. i'm encouraged by these it seems increasing kind of uh gestures by the north that they want to make a deal that they're willing to kind of yeah. drop some like decade-long old requirements to do any sort of deal yeah, yeah. and yeah. that maybe after what 60 65 years yeah the korean war might korean finally war. end yeah oh, that'd be amazing um i think it's more i mean that, that not that they so much want to make a deal but they kind of have to now yeah. um and i mean if you had to sell me like if you look six months ago when the North were launching missiles over Japan and, mm. and continually conducting nuclear tests and, and this, that, and the other, you, I, you would, I would have never thought that this would, this kind of thing happening, you know, would be a possibility. Um, so I, I think it's just like, you know, this is a good news story as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Like this is like the alternative to this, to what is happening now to, you know, to summits and talks and peace treaties and these kinds of things. The the opposite, the alternative to that is is obviously um, you know war, which mm -hmm. is we were very like you know it could have gone either way. Like Kim Jong Un could have very easily just flipped the switch and been like a oh, fuck it, you know, rather than be like okay we need to we need to you know help our people. Our people are starving, all right? We need to make we need to we need to bow down and we need to have, yeah. you know talk things out. Um, he could have just gone fuck it. Let's just launch some bombs and see what happens. You Absolutely. Know, it could have very easily gone that way. Um, so it's just, it's it's nice to get a story like this every now and then where it's like, ah, oh, good. Like we're not, you know, on the precipice of nuclear war anymore. Yeah. And, and know, I, on and face I, value. I think in two things like to add on to that is the fact that, right. I think dictators are, and like tyrants are a lot of things. One thing they're not, I think is stupid Right. Mm. And I think in particular, the one overriding concern they have above everything else is they want to 
live the next day, right? They want to remain in power for yeah. as long as possible. And so I think yeah, yeah, Kim, yeah. Kim Jong-un is definitely crazy. He's definitely like a crazy mm. person. But he's a crazy person who understands that, yeah, he should definitely hit the red button and launch a nuclear attack on South Korea and Japan. But mm. tomorrow, the entire country of North Korea won't exist if he does that. Exactly. And yep. so he understands that if he does that, it's just all gone. I think he mm. wants to remain in power. Like I think in the same way that I think Saddam Hussein or Assad or Gaddafi, these people want to remain in power for as long as possible. That's their entire point. Yeah. They're going to be yeah. full of bluster and confidence, but at the end of the day, they want to remain in power. And when their bluff gets called yeah. and they're sitting there looking like an idiot, Gaddafi, Hussein, mm. <laughs> that's, they're out of power and they usually end up either dead, dead. or yeah. soon to be dead. I think Kim Jong-un is somewhat aware of this. And more to the point, and also a thing that also is somewhat encouraging is the fact that it's not just the North Koreans that need to make a deal. Donald Trump mm. needs some good news. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. In, in, in particular, he just needs not bad news. He doesn't even need to be good news. He just needs news that isn't bad news, yeah. right? He, he, yeah, needs, yeah. he needs news that isn't Robert Mueller breathing down his neck <laughs> ever closer every day. Or he needs news that isn't Stormy Daniels. He needs news that isn't like mm. his personal lawyer like getting his office raided. He needs news that isn't him losing another like debacle legislative like fight. He just needs the news that isn't any of these like disasters yeah, in the yeah. last like fifteen months. And so he also well, badly needs a deal. Yeah, I mean a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people have had you know the were of the opinion last week that you know he launched these attacks on the you know the missile attacks on Syria to mm-hmm. take the uh, you know the focus off the domestic issues that were mm-hmm. happening. So you're right. He does. He definitely does. And so um, that's I, in a weird way, um, Donald Trump's like mechanicians to make himself look good actually work out for the world yeah. in this case where it's weird, like hey right? him want to make a deal and North Korea want to make a deal and South Korea being like hey we, we can help a deal happen here um, <laughs> actually might make things more likely to actually occur yeah. in a deal or at least oh. some sort of like reduced tensions on the continent so you're telling me there's a chance there's a chance right? <laughs> there's definitely a chance yeah uh, that's good. I mean, this is good. I mean, there's. Uh, I look forward to revisiting this topic um, in the next few days. Uh, I believe they're meeting on the 27th, the South and North, and sometime late May, early June, um, Donald will be meeting with, yes. um, Kim, Jong-un. with Kim Jong-un. So um, we know this topic will be revisited. I'm looking forward to it. I do, you mentioned the, the Robert Mueller thing. I, I, I've been holding off on, that, on doing that. this as a story because I just want it to fully play out. Um, but I, I would like to have you back on yes. the week that uh, that I do eventually um, flip the switch and do the uh, anytime the whole you do a Russia collusion episode, I a hundred percent would love to be on because that that would be Excellent. a topic I would be in, such a good one to do right and like who I mean every day I feel like it just drip 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 more news comes out and more things and it just seems like the circles get increasingly tight around mm. the Trump administration mm. is what mm. I'll say yeah. It's going to go off soon. It's going yeah. to go off. Might have to do like an emergency <laughs> Emergency, <episode>. yeah. <laughs> uh, now, Logan. Yes. It's time for our iTunes review of the week. Oh, okay. Now, this is not... This is just... This review is purely coincidental. Mm. Uh, so, it did not play out this way, but uh, you and I are both familiar with, with the reviewer oh. in question. Um, I swear to God, it just this is just the way it worked out. And this week's review comes from Alfighter. Oh, okay. It's a very handsome boy, and he drops yes. the succulent five-star review. Yeah, the lovely one, and uh, the title is two beautiful hosts," oh. and it reads, 
The two hosts are exceptional and their new show is too. Please check it out. Short, sharp, to the point. Thank you so much. Uh, that's our, that's your, our, our, our dear friend, I should say. Yes. He's everybody's from dear friend. Alex is everybody's dear friend. Editor from irrationalpassions.com. Alex O'Neill. Plug, plug, plug. Alex O'Neill. Very, very much appreciated. Alex, thank you for the review. Uh, they all help. They all go towards, mm-hmm. uh, you know, making us discoverable to um, getting the word out there. Um, any feedback and, uh, I don't know, whatever. Just send it through. We love it. We yeah. want to know more. We want to know what you think about our show. Even yeah. if it's not a five-star review, I'm not going to be thrilled again, yeah. but I will I will be, uh, it will be appreciated. Any feedback is much appreciated. Give us five stars, but just write a bad review. That'll work too. Then we'll, yeah. get, the, then we'll get the feedback, but also five stars. You know what I mean? There you go. That's a brilliant idea. Yeah, there's your brilliant first idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of It Is What It Is. This has been a product of 8-Bit, and you can find all of our content over at 8-Bit.net. You can follow us on Twitter. Logan is at Lefty Logie. Yes. Nailed it. I am yeah. at Cruzy underscore mate, and 8-Bit is at We Are 8-Bit on all the socials. Uh, Logan, is there anything <clears throat> going on at the moment that you want to pimp? You want to tell the people about um... something you're doing? But when this this is gonna go live, what in like a day? Tomorrow morning. So within this week that this is gonna be going live, my Fire Cry Five review is possibly gonna be going up a good old Boom. month after the game came out on rfpacks.com. <laughs> um, and then the big game be, takes a while to get through. Yeah, that's true. Paxis didn't help either. There's still, by the way, there's no, still no. lots of Paxis content on rushpassions.com if you want to check out all of the previews. We did a lot. Too many maybe but we did them anyway <laughs> um included in our first review previews by mike burgess so you should check all of that out um and then there's going to be quite a bit of god of war content now that the game is out including a review by alex and then Jarrett, one of my lovely co-hosts of input is going to do i haven't seen like the draft for it a really 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 cool um piece about kind of the greek mythology and the north mythology and how they kind of play against oh. each other complement each other um, awesome. and the evolution of God of War and then I will also be writing something about the game um, check out all, all of that it. and then also I didn't mention it at the beginning of the episode because I forgot because it's just like a thing but um, I also host a West Wing podcast with Trevor Starkey oh that's right yes. and Quinn Hoffman I forgot my you should, you should listen to that too listen West Wing in it West Wing which is a very fun show to do if you know a little ridiculous um you should listen to me and trevor have really good opinions and really good takes about the show and then you listen to quentin have just absolutely terrible ones and bad takes <laughs> that has become his brand um, god bless you should him. also listen to that the week this goes live will be i think a really really good episode if i say so myself i haven't remember we awesome. backdated them a little bit but i think it's a good one they're all good That's ones so actually i'm not saying they're all great the internet's number one West Wing yes. podcast. Probably, actually. <laughs> Without a doubt. I think a former cast member of the show has a podcast about the West Wing now. But we're oh, still going to say, we're Son still going to say, <laughs> mine is the number one West Wing podcast. We're still going to claim on that mantle until, <laughs> until we are proven oh, wrong. Oh, Jesus. Very good. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, if you've enjoyed this show, remember to head on to iTunes, as I said before, and give us a subscribe. Leave us a review. Helps get the word out about it. Head over and give input. A yes. review and a subscribe. Head well. over and give West Wing in it mm. a review and a subscribe. And make sure well. you head on over to irrationalpassions.com and check out all their awesome Please content. Do. Next week, I will be joined by Maddie Perko Perkins from Ultra Super Mega. Very looking forward. Very looking forward. See, I do good words. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm very looking, very much looking forward to having Perko on the show. Um, and if you've got any questions for myself or Perko for next week, you can email us at hello at 8bit.net. That email address again, hello at 8bit.net. Logan. Yes. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you oh, yeah, this yeah. morning. It's been an honor Thank- for me this evening. <laughs> time zones. Crazy Time's stuff. a circle. <laughs> oh, very good. Until next time, friends. It is what it is.